Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession to teach you how to be a more productive version of you. And one of the ways I do that is by having an occasional webinar. And on Saturday, June 27th at noon Eastern, I'm going to be having a live webinar all about defeating distractions. Now, the webinar is not free, but it's only $9.97 US, and one lucky person who attends and stays all the way to the end will win one month of productivity coaching with me, a $675 value. If you're interested, you can either go to mrproductivity.com or click the link in the show notes. The webinar again, Saturday, June 27th at noon Eastern. On the podcast today, Tony Bradshaw. He's the founder, author, and president of The Millionaire Choice. We're going to talk a lot about, not so much about how to become a millionaire, although we are going to touch on that a little bit, but we're also going to talk about mindset. Great episode. Here we go. Tony, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Glad to see you, man. You know, when I first saw you on my schedule, I said, don't call him Terry Bradshaw. Don't call him Terry Bradshaw. And now I got to ask you, you know, I was going to say something like, hey, how does it feel to win a Super Bowl? But then uh, some of our listeners may go, what's he talking about? This guy's name is not Terry Bradshaw. So have you ever been mistaken for Terry Bradshaw? All the time, yeah. The, back in the day, it happened a lot more often. Uh, you know, the younger generation now, they don't know Terry as much. <laughs> and so they start going, it gets more like, uh, wasn't there some football player that was named Bradshaw? I'm like, yeah, there was. These younger kids, they, they just don't understand. You know, they just don't understand. I tell you, I love watching uh, Fox, the NFL Fox Sunday with Terry Bradshaw. Of the entire, all the people on that show, Terry's the most hysterical. I mean, he's like the old guy. Sometimes he forgets what he's saying. He's absolutely hysterical. Yeah. I enjoy watching him in shows. Uh, he's been in a couple. Uh, Failure to Launch, I think, is one. Uh, yeah. Matthew McConaughey and maybe with Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, he was a, a trip in that as well. Yeah, I, I think that he is an authentic, genuine, really nice guy. I think the way you see him on uh, NFL Fox Sunday is how you see him in real life. I think he's really that kind of happy guy. Yeah, I agree. I've never met him though. That's one of the things I would like to do. You know, I don't have, I don't, I'm not starstruck. I don't like to uh, pursue the stars or idolize the stars or musicians or anything like that. But, you know, a few years ago, I kind of realized, and it was one of my bosses that I worked with that uh, had us as a leadership team go, who would you want to meet like in your life? And I'm like, that's a good question because whenever I bump into a star in public, I don't want to, you know, be the paparazzi on them. I don't want to <laughs> flood them. Now they get enough of that from other people. So I just want to treat them normal. But, you know, Terry Bradshaw would probably be one of those that I would need to walk up and say, you know, Hey, I'm Tony Bradshaw. Nice to meet you. Yeah. So have you ever played football professionally? Or not you know professionally, what? but like in high school or college? <laughs> yeah. I play professional football all the time. Um, <laughs> No, uh, I, I was going to play in high school. It was very interesting. Uh, our first year that I was going to play football, our, did tryouts, did the whole deal, probably going to be a wide receiver. Uh, I'm fairly fast on my feet. And they canceled football. So it was oh. like in. It was like out with the football team and in with soccer. That's when we oh. brought soccer into the, into the school. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and so I started playing soccer, and I loved it. Absolutely fell in love with it. Played it through high school. Played it in college. Uh, intramural in college. We had about 20, 25, 26 teams in college. Um, and then, you know, after college, played some inter, uh, co-op games, co-ed games, 
and you know some just kept playing it's just a, a great sport to play just love it now i've got a ton of kids that are playing it ah well so you're not terry bradshaw you're tony bradshaw so take about 20 seconds or so tell us who you are and what you do yeah so today uh you know it's funny how life leads you on different paths and you know where you start out it's not where you end up and so uh, many years ago i went to school for engineering and got into the engineering field learned about computers which took me into the digital space uh, for a guy named Dave Ramsey. He worked for Dave Ramsey for 15 years as a more of a, a digital online business guy. Left Dave in 2016. A year later, was led to write my own book. I felt like God was telling me to write my book. And uh, I originally started on a different title, but ended up writing a personal finance book called The Millionaire Choice. And it's really a story about the story and principles about how I was 25 years old and kind of doing dumb stuff with my money like we all do. Right. And mm-hmm. had a wake up call and decided, learned, started learning about money and decided, you know what? This money thing is not real difficult. If you make the right life and financial choices, I believe I can end up a millionaire and I think I can do it by age 40 which is what I did. And so this this book and this teaching that I'm doing now is really just about equipping people to do exactly what I did, which is make the millionaire choice and create their own millionaire plan. I remember the first time my wife and I went through the Financial Peace University, which is Dave Ramsey's course. We've taken it two more times, not because we failed, but because we need the motivation. This is a course that every senior in school needs to take before they graduate because I made those foolish mistakes. I remember the first time I went to college, my first probably week of college, like, hey, would you like to sign up for a credit card for a free T-shirt or for a pizza? I'm like, sure, not realizing uh, the problem is going to run into down the road. And then what's really what the really hit me really hard is when I got that statement, I went out and bought a whole bunch of stupid stuff like portable stereos and you know dinners and stuff. And it says, hey, your balance is $500, but you only need to pay $9. I'm like, this is so cool. Didn't realize <laughs> that interest accrues every month. And I'm like, wait a minute. I paid $9 and my bill went down 50 cents. And it wasn't until I took Financial Peace University, I'm like, oh, the deck stacked against me. Now I understand. So I really think, you know, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University and your book and your teaching, I think kids in school should not be able to graduate until they've taken this stuff because they're going out to the wolves, to the sharks after college or after high school, and they're getting in the big trouble before they even have a chance, before they even have a footing. Yeah, I agree with you exactly. And the more you start digging into this, and so you had what I would call a financial awakening, and you know, I had mine at 25. I don't know how old you were when you when you got your financial awakening. But yeah, the deck is da- definitely stacked against you. And the more you look into things, the more you realize that it's done intentionally. And so the people that actually have the money, the people at the top, the bankers, the central bankers, the guys that control the banks all over the world, they own the banks all over the world. Uh, it's all purposely done. So you have to, you know, it's funny that you say that. It's like, oh, everybody in high school should be financially educated. So do you understand why everybody in the world is not financially educated? It's all intentionally. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, yeah, and, and that's why you've got so much debt and so much um so much cost, everything is so, I don't want to say expensive, but you end up paying so much more for what you're buying, you know, a house, uh, the more readily available 
debt is to somebody buying a house, what happens? The prices of houses escalate and grow. Same things happen with student loan debt. I mean, the cost, I think the cost of education has gone up something like 300% in the last 20 years. And the reason for that is because student loan debt is more available. And so they're glad to give you the money, glad to put you into debt, glad to collect your payment and your interest for the rest of your life. And it's not dischargeable by death or by bankruptcy. People don't realize that. And I remember when, you know, I started getting loans from school and I just thought it was the, 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 what everybody did. And when I started getting educated about money, my awakening to use your terms, I'm like, why am I going to college? Cause I have a bachelor's degree in applied computing. I'm a productivity coach and a podcaster. So I have paid, I don't know, eight trillion dollars for this education. I'm not using anything in the education. So now younger generation, I'm talking like people, you know, between 10 and 25 come to me and you say, you know, what do you think about college? I'm like, before you even think about college, you need to figure out your why. Because if you want to be a software developer, you don't need to go to college. If you want to be a doctor, you have to go to college. So you need to figure out your why because college could add a bunch of debt to you. You don't want to go into college for the experience. If this is a video podcast, you see me doing um, um, air quotes here. You don't want to pay that kind of money for the experience. If you have a plan and you need the specialized college education, lawyer, CPA, doctor, fine. But I think a lot of people are going to college to find themselves. And when I hear that, it just scares me to death. Yeah, if you look at the statistics, and I'm a, gla- a classic example of that, and you are too, is the majority of people, I don't remember the exact number, I'm going to make this statistic up on the spot, but somewhere north of 50% of people, 60, 70% of people within three to five years of graduating college are no longer working in their field of expertise. For me, it took about six and a half years. So I, I did my engineering degree for six and a half years and then changed. Now, what I will say about that though is, uh, and I would question you, is I feel like my education was very valuable. I still really enjoy doing engineering type things around the house. Uh, I like to build things. And I, I someday I would love to have my own manufacturing plant. I would like to make something, build it, have people that work for me and sell it. And that's using my engineering experience. And I would say it also has helped me uh, in a, a, a lot of other ways. One of those is is just the discipline to learn, right? So if you want to be successful in life, the one of the best things you can do is develop a discipline of learning where you're constantly learning new things, whether that's making your marriage better, learn about your marriage, raising kids. You know, my wife, when we had our, our newborn, actually during pregnancy, she was dragging me to like parenting classes. <laughs> like, I mean, she's telling me what to go learn. And I, I give her all the credit for helping us get through those first six, seven, eight, ten years of our children's lives because she dra- she dragged me in kicking and screaming, you know, to these classes. I didn't want to go to them, but I couldn't say no, right? If I wanted to have to be a happy, <laughs> I wanted to have a happy marriage, I had to go to these classes. Yeah. And but you know, you learn. And so you your your life is constantly faced with challenges and you need to learn new things to face those challenges. But if you also develop a culture of learning or discipline of learning, you can be prepared for opportunities that come. So I'll give you a great, a great example of that. Once I started working uh, with Dave Ramsey, I was a, a programmer, basically helping them get their online business up and running. And I had a leadership opportunity in the company and it kind of fell apart. Like they put me in charge and the people that were there that I was leading kind of had a little bit of a rebellious streak. We'd only been working there for probably less than 90 days. So they didn't know me. Um, 
but in that moment where I was a leader for two weeks and then not a leader, something occurred to me. And I said, I thought to myself, you know, if I was the type of leader that I needed to be, these people would have gladly followed me. So I think God's trying to tell me something here, and that's that I'm not yet ready, but he's He's going to lift me up into a leadership role. So it was that moment that I started learning about leadership. I had some natural leadership talent. You know, I could look back into my childhood and I could see uh, glimpses of leadership, you know, in elementary school, middle school, high school, college. It was all there, but it was unformed and undeveloped. It was just raw talent. And so I started learning everything I could for about a year. I started learning, reading books and all this stuff, but being very aggressive in learning about leadership. And then when you know it, uh, October of 2002, I became a leader in the company, a formal leader, and never looked back. And I just kind of kept going up through the ranks at his company into leadership uh, before and until I left. You know, reached one of the pinnacle levels before I left the company in 2016. But that's just a classic example of you need to invest in yourself. And I believe uh, college does help you develop a, a discipline of learning, but I don't know that it's worth you know two hundred thousand mm. dollars. As a you know, when I counsel people for their finances, some people are coming in with two hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt, and they're making fifty thousand dollars a year. That's yeah, what's, not a wrong, good what's wrong with that math? <laughs> yeah, it's not a good plan. It's not a good plan. And what's interesting is when I graduated, uh, you know, I remember when I graduated high school, and I said, "Great, only four more years of learning," and then I graduated. College. Now I did the part time thing because I had a full time family at the time. And then I realized I graduated and I'm like, oh, the learning never ends. And now as I become a student of high performers, you know, Mark Cuban, Elon Musk, you know, Bill Gates, whatever, Warren Buffett, Mark Cuban. I think I said Mark Cuban twice, but. They must really learn. like Mark. Yeah, I, I do. I want to meet the guy. I'd like to have the guy <laughs> on my show someday. Um, but. What impresses me is they spend time in personal development every single day. And I remember saying to myself, isn't that interesting? They're very, 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 very successful. And yet they make time for personal development every day. There are people who are struggling to make ends meet and they're binge watching Netflix. And I remember saying to myself, hmm, there's got to be a correlation there. So I started committing to at least an hour of personal development every day, whether that's reading a book, listening to an audio book, listening to a podcast, attending a webinar, something to improve myself every day, seven days a week. And since I've been doing this, you know, number one, you become a better conversationalist because you read a lot more books, you're exposing yourself to a lot more teaching, and you can hold more intellectual conversations. But then you get to see more of the world. Because what happens is you're exposing yourself to all these situations and you can go, oh, maybe I'll pivot over here, which you might not have known about that area over there. But because you have exposed yourself, you're like, wow, maybe I'd like to do that. I mean, I started this podcast in 2017 because I heard Gary Vaynerchuk talk about the voice, uh, the future of voice and audio in the spring of 2017. Prior to that, I never even thought of starting a podcast, but because I heard someone say, hey, you should start a podcast like, wow, yeah, I should start a podcast. So I think personal development is really key. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's a key to success. If you want to go somewhere, you've got to include it somehow, figure it out. The, the interesting thing is, you know, I'll just speak to my own past a little bit. Uh, my mom and dad were awesome parents. They're, they were fantastic. And, you know, to see where they came from, they both came from broken homes. My dad dropped out of high school in 10th grade to support himself because he wasn't getting any family support. He didn't have a father in his life. My mother didn't have a father in her life. Very destructive home life. My, my grandmother was awesome, but her siblings were terrible to her. Mm. Um, 
you know, even to the point, you know, the last five, 10 years, I don't even know that she talked with her brothers and sisters before she passed away, maybe 15, 20 years. Yeah. And so not a lot of family support. So how do you come out of something like that and then, you know, retool yourself, kind of change your ways. And so my parents did a really good job uh, not having things modeled for them, but still finding a a level of success in their own lives. And so, you know, when I came out of college, they pushed me into college. Basically, I remember I tried to bail out in the second year. I'm like, I just think I'll stay at home and work. And then my mom said, well, if you stay at home, you're going to be paying 800 bucks a month in rent. And I was like, wait, wait a minute. Okay, so I'll make 40 hours a week. I'll make $10,000 or $1,000 a month, and you're going to take 80% of it. That leads me to, I'm like, that's not a good formula. I think I'll go back to college. And so that was the deal she gave me. Go to college. We'll help you pay for it. Come home, pay me uh, 800 bucks a month in rent. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm punching the, the, the time clock. I'm going back to college, which was a good decision for me. But you have to develop this uh, kind of like self-learning, self-discipline style. And I didn't learn that from my parents. My parents were great people, but they just didn't have the resources at their fingertips that we have today. Um, when I was learning about money and finance, I was at the bookstore picking up books and picking up magazines. That was the primary form of uh, you know learning or information. And I had developed that as a young child, you know, going bass fishing around the neighborhood. Uh, I started reading fishing magazines like crazy because my mom worked at a convenience store and had a magazine rack. Ah. So when I had to sit around at the store and be bored, I'd rather read <laughs> fishing and car magazines than that. And so, you know, at 14, 15 years old, I rebuilt my first car engine and wow. by myself. Yeah, my dad tried to come out and help me, but uh, I told him he wasn't following the, the correct instructions. Or, <laughs> you know. And I had, if you've ever seen them, I had one of these chilt, ma- chilt manuals, which is a big car manual. And the thing's about four inches thick. Yep. I remember. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It was green. I wish I, I need to see my dad. That's a good heirloom thing for me to pass down to my kids. You know, I need to go see if he still has that thing. And uh, yeah, but that's how I learned how to work on cars, just reading and learning, self-taught. You know, today, you know, you pick up a YouTube video and you can find just about anything yeah. out you want to do. I'm doing some hydroponics right now, growing some stuff in my garage. No, it's not weed. It is uh, <laughs> it is greens, leafy greens, arugula, spinach, and the such. And, uh, yeah, it's just a fun thing to learn and, and just be a lifelong learner. That's important. One thing you mentioned, too, Mark, was uh, Netflix, people binge watching on Netflix. And that's a statistic I looked into when I wrote my book. And the average American watches about 120 hours of television a month, which is about 30 hours a week. That's a lot. And so if you work, a, yeah, you work a full-time job, 40 hours, you know, some people working 40, 50 hours a week. And then you go home and spend 30 hours watching television. Your life's really not going to go anywhere. Nope. You're stuck. You're you're stagnant and you're stuck. And so you need to form, uh, find a way to break bad habits like that and form up some new good habits. I like when people, you know, as a productivity expert, people will tell me, but Mark, I don't have any time. And the first question I ask them, how much TV do you watch? And they get really offended. Like, what's that got to do anything? What well, you asked me, what, how can you get things done when you have no time? How much TV do you watch? And I know they're going to say between three and five hours. And what people, they, it's almost like they, they don't think about the watching the TV. They just go, that doesn't count. No, you have 24 hours. How are you spending your 24 hours? And the first step to correcting bad behavior, as I'm sure you'll agree, is to recognize I'm watching five hours of TV a night. You got to you got to say it out loud and tell people, hey, I'm wasting five hours of my life watching TV or playing video games or hanging out with friends or whatever the case may be. 
you've got to say it out loud because you're not going to make any changes until you make it real. If you keep it between your ears, it's not real and you're not going to change your behavior. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like to do an exercise where I call it like the the 10 habits. You know, you got this, Stephen Covey's got the seven habits of highly effective people. Uh, and I like that. That's But reading that book is like reading an encyclopedia. It's just <laughs> yeah. a, it's a grind, man. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever finished that book all the way. I just, you know, thumb through the, the seven habits. But if I were sitting down with somebody today, I would say, hey, let's list out your your 10 bad habits. Like, let's li- think about your life. What are the things you're doing that are not bearing you fruit? And then make a list of 10 good habits. Hopefully, you can get to 10. If you can't, then you need to kind of shorten your bad habits list and increase your good habits list. Mm. And you just kind of – it's very simple exercising because we're simple people, right? The simpler we make things, the easier it is to get our heads around them. Yep. And probably I agree with you. T- TV's got to be at the top. Video games, if you're young, it's probably the bigger thing. But entertainment. Nice. That's just kids, though. I know general. a lot of adults that spend hours on this Fortnite. I've never played it, but apparently it's the productivity killer because you can spend literally days on this game. Yeah. And I, just uh, being transparent with you, I was a gamer. I'm a reformed gamer. <laughs> And so Hi, I'm Tony. I, I'm a I'm a former I'm a gamer. <laughs> well, man, there it's 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 very interesting uh, because you don't really think of gaming addiction, but there are lots of addictions, and we're all kind of compulsive people. Mm-hmm. And it depends on what you get addicted to. You know, my parents were smokers. Uh, my a lot of alcoholism inside of my family. That's why I don't drink, and you know, my wife doesn't drink, so we're not drinkers at all. Um, but you get these addictions, you know, that you can go, but gaming is one of those now that is an addiction. And I was, I was personally addicted to it, burned so many hours, Mark, thousands upon thousands of hours from age 25 up until I started weaning myself off of it probably in my thirties, but I would, I would still go back into it. Like, you know, if I start playing, it's like, it's instantly back and I'm burning tons of time. And so funny story, my wife, when I was working for Dave, uh, we were, you know, I was trying to focus more on work because I picked up this new career. And my wife heard Dave one time on the radio talk about uh, this lady had called in. Actually, Dave wasn't talking about it. it was one of his callers. And she was freezing her credit cards in blocks of ice in the freezer so that it would be more difficult for her to get the credit cards out. So she was trying to put a barrier between herself and ability to swipe the cards, you know. Mm-hmm. And so my wife, at that time, video games were on D, uh, CDs. Oh, no. So my wife said, <laughs> I came home one day, and she's like, your games are frozen in the freezer. You know, I heard this on the radio. Like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and so then I would have to wait for my game to thaw out to be able to play it. And, that's hysterical. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that's how she was trying to help me. And, you know, we tried different <laughs> things. My uh, father-in-law was a, a private investigator for insurance companies, for insurance fraud. And he would buzz through Nashville on his way, like, to Atlanta. So he'd come from Missouri. And he would swing by, and he played video games with us. And uh, so we got to a point where I would let him take my discs with him. So I could only play when he was in town. So when he came oh. to town, we played. <laughs> when he, so he'd, be, he'd come through about every two weeks. So we'd have fun and play, and then I wouldn't be able to play for two weeks. And so, But, yeah, just try different things. But it's, the, the main point of that is your, it's a productivity killer. There's other things in your life that can be productivity killers. Uh, you know, look at your bad habits. Try to form up some good habits. And, you know, your life will change by degrees. And so it's not going to change overnight, but it's those little changes built up over time that will help turn your life around. You know, I didn't become a millionaire overnight. It took me 15 years. Mm. 
Well, speaking of millionaire, I can't let you go away from this interview without us talking about your millionaire by choice because I see a lot of people making mistakes and, you know, with regarding their finances. But I also am a big fan, as we've already alluded to a couple times in the show today, of simplicity. So why don't you give us maybe one or two simple things people can do starting today? Because I want to get them moving in the right direction, how they can do, you know, better with their finances. So I don't want you to give us, a, you know, really complicated uh, suggestions. I want you to give us one or two really simple ideas that someone could say, oh, I that's simple enough. I could do that today. Yeah. So uh, what I would like to do is talk about, you know, we've already said it once, but I want to say it again so it sticks, is what I did at 25. And what I find from most of the people I'm talking to who become millionaires, they have this financial awakening where they go, this is the old way. I don't want to do this anymore because it doesn't bring life to me. I want to make a change today and my life is going to change. And so I had a, you know, I thought I was a pretty good guy because I made a mil- I became a millionaire by age 40. And then I talked to a guy who became a millionaire by age 30 and he grew up in low, low, low income areas of LA. And his life was a disaster, right? And then he made a choice and became a millionaire at age 30. And then I met another guy who did it by age 25. He made his millionaire choice at age five because his mom went and buy him a candy bar. And he's like, I know how I can fix this problem. I can become rich. And so he did it, age 25, millionaire. And so people tend to make excuses on why they are not rich or they don't have wealth. you know. And I don't like the word rich. I think rich are jerks. Rich people are jerks. But wealthy people have an abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. And you know, wealth has a purpose. It's for, to enjoy life, help others. And if you're religious, you know, serve God. So it's a threefold purpose. And I think that's a very uh, altruistic way of looking at building wealth and not being scared of it. Well, as Dave Ramsey so, said, money can be used to buy drugs to give to kids at school. It can also be used to build a hospital. So money is not doesn't have any kind of emotion attached to it we get to choose if it's going to be good or bad absolutely you know like dave says money makes you more of just what you really yes. are if you're if you're a poor jerk you're going to be a rich jerk <laughs> yeah it gives you more opportunities to be a jerk to more people yep so yeah and so uh that's the that's the heartbeat about what i'm doing so and it really comes down to you know the, making the millionaire choice going i can do this and creating your millionaire plan so in between those two things are all the life and financial principles that you need to put it together, okay? And so I call that the 10 keys of the millionaire, and it's really the 10 keys that I applied to my life that allowed me to do this. And the interesting thing is, as I wrote the book, there's actually three stories in my book of other millionaires, and I asked them to guest write, just to say, hey, share your story. And I was really pleasantly surprised because every story echoed exactly what I had written. Like it all matched up. And I'm like, oh, I'm not just making this stuff up. It worked for me. It works for other people. It's the formula that works. Mm. And so there, it's not, and it's not difficult. You know, it's it's just simple things that you can do that will compound over time to become a millionaire. So you asked, uh, so in these 10 keys, we've already covered a little bit of it. The first two don't even have to do anything with money. They have to do with life, you know, character and time management, which we've already talked about. If you've got good character or develop good character, that's a that's a, what I call a foundation. You have to have that in place. Time management, we talked about that. Your time is your most precious asset. If you're burning it, wasting it, you're not going to build wealth. If you're using it wisely, you have a good shot at building some wealth. So those are the first two foundational keys. After that, you get into the money principles and the basic ones are just, you got to start somewhere. You got to start with a budget, man. You got to start by watching your money. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, people, people go, I don't have enough money. Well, you need to look at where you're spending it. Yep. Um, you're buying too much stuff, you know, car notes, uh, people live by the, the note, right? They I'll go, give you a suggestion. I don't mean to interject this. here, but Dave Ramsey's got a fantastic budgeting app. I've been using it since it came out on day one. It's called Every Dollar. It's 100% free. And the truth will set you free. You track everything you spend. And I mean every penny to spend. My wife and I used to fight about money all the time, but now we can just open up every dollar and go, oh, yep, we spent this much money on groceries, this much money going to eat now, this much money on this. And I think you, what you said is very important, the budget and tracking your expenses, because I don't think people really know where their money's going. They just spend until the money's gone, where if you use an app like every dollar, you're going to be able to know exactly where your money's going. Yeah, and I agree with that. You do need to count it. Uh, I tend to take a slightly different approach to the budgeting, um, and and I do this. I really because I think if you a lot of people, if you're very analytical and very detailed, that type of budgeting works well for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what I try to do is really get your money kind of like flowing in the right place, and so I think of it as uh, four categories or four groups of money, and that's and that's these four: your living money which is what does it take you to live off of every day? You got to pay your house, you know, your rent, roof over your head, electricity, water. Uh, you got to drive a car in some cases if you don't have public transportation. But it's really what are the expenses that re- I am required to spend every month to keep me alive and to meet my needs? That's what you're looking for. Okay. The next category, which I feel is one of the most important, but it's the one that's the most neglected, and that's your wealth category. Okay. How much money are you putting towards building, you know, becoming a millionaire, if that's your goal, or just building some retirement, you know, stability. That's a huge category, okay? Then you get into the last two, which is play money, which is go out and have some fun, live your life. Anything that doesn't fit in one of these other categories goes in there. The last category is others' money. And the reason I call it that is because I believe wealth has a purpose, it's to enjoy life, help others, and serve God. So the others category is how much money are you putting into other people's lives or other initiatives, whether that's helping orphans. You know, you would put gifts in there. If you're giving money to p- other people, you're being generous in your heart to other people. And so I want you to look at those categories. Why those four categories are important is because once you look at the percentages, you can tell whether or not you're going to become wealthy. If you're only putting 0% into wealth or 5% into your wealth bucket, give it up. You're not going to make it. But if you're putting 25, 30, 40% into your play money bucket, it's easy to see that you're out of balance. Mm, So one of the first things I did, instead of managing every penny, I did do an every penny budget. But what I did is I said, okay, I can live on this little, I can play this down. But I really went into that wealth bucket and said, I'm going to nail that thing. I'm going to put as much money in there as I can. And I'm going to get out of debt as fast as I can. So fortunately, I was only $16,000 in debt. Took me about 12 months to get out of it. But I was also investing heavily at the same time. That's not something that Dave teaches. Dave teaches to get out of debt 100% first. Yeah. I, I had enough disposable income that I just went ahead and did both at the same time. So at the end of my 12 months of getting out of debt, I had about $18,000 in stocks and mutual funds. Um, and that's a big turnaround to go from $16,000 in debt to $18,000 in stocks and mutual funds in like a, a year. Okay. So, so your big takeaway for the listener today is to take a look at these four categories, living money, the wealth category, play money, and other money, and just just look at those, look at their income, 
look at those four, four categories and create a plan instead of just flying by the t- by the seat of the pants. Yeah, because money's really just a math problem, and it's not a, it's not a hard math problem. It's a pretty simple math problem. You just have to get the money flowing in the right direction. So, yes, you can do a penny by penny budget. It will become more efficient. It will be uh, much more frugal, and that's that's good. Like if you can do that and keep it consistent, that's great. Um, I prefer to go. Hey, I'm going to channel a thousand or fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars into this wealth category, and then the rest of my budget shapes around that goal in my life. Gotcha. And so, and that's, and that's what I did at 25. I'm like, you know what, this is how much money I need to put in there. Now what happens is your income goes up over time, right? That's Mm -hmm. millionaire key number, millionaire key number nine is boost your income. So how can you get your income up? Um, And that, and you can accelerate everything at that point. You can accelerate, you know, your wealth instead of doing thousand dollars a month, maybe you could do $3,000 a month. So everything starts to speed up as your income goes up. And so, you know, playing on what we talked about earlier, the self-discipline of learning, as you improve yourself, you're improving your ability to raise your income. And that's why that's so important. You know, instead of being stagnant or stuck at $35,000, a year income, improve yourself, find new opportunities to, uh, that when they come along, you, you're prepared for those. And so all of this stuff starts to compound and pay off for you in dividends. Um, nobody can predict what the future is going to look like. You can only be as prepared as possible for when it comes. Absolutely. Well, Tony, you gave us a lot to think about in the show today. Lots here. And folks, don't forget, you can actually rewind and listen to this episode again and use the pause button. He gave you a lot of gold here. We don't want to overwhelm you because I understand if I overwhelm you, you're not going to do anything. So thank you for being on the show today. Tony, where can we find out more about you online? Yeah, so it's easy to find my blog at TonyBradshaw.com, but the majority of my material, the free book, people can get my book for free uh, right off the website, or you could download it, you know, just pay shipping and handling for the book. So if you like a hardback cover, get that. If you want the ebook, I have that. My ebook is for free, 100% free, along with another ebook that I have called Creating Millionaire Families, Changing Your Financial Mindset. And so and just to plug that a little bit here, it's really about rewiring the, the entire way our families think about money. Mm. So it's one thing to change the way you think about money, but when you can get that into your kids, get that into your family, your whole generations are going to change forever. And so that's exciting. But you can get both of those eBooks for free at themillionairechoice.com. Tony, this has been a pleasure, a very enlightening conversation with you. So thank you so much for being on the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I love your energy, Mark. And just before we go, don't forget to go to MrProductivity.com and register for my upcoming webinar on Saturday, June 27th at noon Eastern. I'm going to teach you how to defeat distractions. Just $9.97 US and one lucky attendee who stays all the way to the end will win one month of productivity coaching with me, a $675 value. The link is in the show notes. The link is at mrproductivity.com. And until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.